Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Light the Fight. This is a podcast for parents, family members, and anyone that wants skills on how to manipulate your loved ones to do what you would like them to do. Here's the thing. If you've got problems, you've come to the right place. Because we all have them. And if you came here because your life is perfect and amazing and you just want to be entertained by people who have problems, you also came to the right place. (laughs) So everyone's welcome. Every, everyone's welcome. No, thank you as always to visiting us here at Light the Fight. We are coming off of a fun, just, how, how do you describe our workshops? Well, I I don't know if I'm to the point where I'm calling them fun. Okay. They are <laughs> A, educational. I do. I do B. Like, I like meeting people. I think it's fun to meet people. So that aspect of it is fun. Yeah, we, we need a better PR person here. <laughs> Can we have someone substitute for Heidi for a minute? It's like, hi, my name's I'm Heidi Swap. I'm too honest. It was enjoyable. No, here, I really loved the experience. This is what was funny. This is what was funny. So when when we do the podcast or when we do the workshop, um, day one, which is Friday, is this nine to five thing. And I mean, side note, everybody that comes to the workshop is like, could you make this a seven day workshop? And could we go away to a destination? So no, we have, I have to people go ask home? me if, the, if their kid can live with me for <laughs> months or till they turn 18. Can you adopt my child? Um, several parents, several of the people who came to the workshop were like, you know, this needs to be either in Cabo or like at a retreat. Amen. Way gone or someplace where they don't have to go straight back into the Where inferno. there's no cell reception. <laughs> Right. Where they can't have the yes. kids saying, Mom, where's my notebook? Yeah. Mom, where's my shoes? Anyway, um, so on Friday, it's an all-day-long thing. And then we have lunch, which is a highlight because we, we're Cafe Rio lovers. And um, Well, because you get to keep the leftovers. I found out the reason why we have Cafe Rio, because there's always leftovers. And Heidi's like, oh, we have leftovers. I'll take that. I'll take that. Well, you don't eat carbs. You don't eat Well, the- you do have a lot of kids to feed, so in your defense- <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the leftovers this time for sure. Um, but so usually what happens is David's wife and sometimes my husband will show up around lunchtime. Change vehicles. Just kind of, you know, make, sh- you know, touch base, check in, eat some lunch, you know, chat around with the, the people who are there. So um, during lunch on, on uh, Friday, Alicia came in, that's David's wife, and, and she... She is funny, and I just, I just really like her. And she came up to to give me a hug, and we're chatting for a second. And and um, there's a couple ladies who are attending the workshop who just were, you know, said to her, you know, we're so thankful for David. We're and and thanking Alicia for um, contributing you to the cause <laughs> because obviously Allowing we know me to go outside. <laughs> we know that that means that you know she's got, got young kids, side, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, and I made this just comment like, well, it helps that Dave's just make, he's made every mistake. He's covers several of the ethnicities, you know, he's been, you know, it's it's like kind of, and, and Alicia says, yeah, well, if there's crap, David's stepped in it, you know? And I was like, oh, that's true. (laughs) And then I said, well, if there's shame, then Heidi's bathed in it. (laughs) Which is also true. Because I will tell you, I do everything possible to not step in the crap. But why do I just climb right into the shame bath? Because well, you like candles. I just, I just love it. So and much. for me, I've gotten really good at cleaning crap off my shoes. So I don't mind stepping in it. <laughs> I've just got a bit. I got like one of those, like you know, those uh, toothpicks, the brushes. water toothpicks. And <laughs> just do the water toothpick on my shoes. I'm good. I'm the doo doo man. You remember the end of the episode, right? I clean oh, yeah, up the dog poo. I'm yeah, used to stepping yeah. in poo. It doesn't scare me. 
<laughs> so we figure, you know, between those two things, we really have it covered. That Heidi's not scared of turning on the, the bubble bath filled no. with shame and insecurities and self-doubt. No, I, in fact, that, as that's long where as it I feel smells good, as long as there's some good lavender in there, you're fine. That's right. That's yeah, right. It's therapeutic. And I just keep going back for more. It's awesome. Yes. Anyway. That's a, that's a funny story. So we did. We had a great, a great group. And um, as always, it's just kind of funny what bubbles up to the top, what comes out. Like we're teaching the same curriculum and I learn something new every time. So again, it all comes back to really benefiting Heidi the most. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for contributing to my very slow, very painful learning process. Well, speaking of the slow, very painful learning process, it leads us segue into our topic today. Unless you wanted to share something. Well, you know what? You want to share it at the end? You want to share it right now? Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll share it at the end if it makes sense. Well, I don't even know what it is. So I, I don't know. I know. If it makes sense, you're going to tell us. Well, it's okay. It's okay. No, I don't want to go into it right now. Okay, at the end. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Well, before we get in, <laughs> I have we... a su- what's happening is I have a surprise that's happening, and I probably shouldn't talk about it. Which means you're going to hear about it. I kind of like I'm. T- we all know that. Yeah, I'm definitely the confidentiality one of this <clears throat> of this dynamic duo. I just okay. do not. Keep I'm better at the secret keeping. Well. She's better at the. Okay, between you and I, <laughs> all of you guys listening, and all the other listeners. <laughs> Well, if you haven't noticed, okay. Heidi's not good at keeping okay, secrets. Okay, 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 okay. I'll just tell. I'll just tell. See, it I'll only took a couple twists, and it's she's really like, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, and this actually did come up as a workshop as well. And um, and I have alluded to this, and this is something that's that's real, that's been going on for me for, for the past couple of years, which is the fact that I have... Digestional tract problems? <laughs> No. What, what, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's not my problem. Never mind. I'm uh, sorry. I, you know, I've got a lot of problems, but that I don't have. Oh, okay, my bad. No, the fact that I've kind of like forever and ever identified as a crafter, and that's how people know me. That's been my safety zone. Your calling that's card. What I'm good at. That's where I feel like, um, that that I thrive. Right, and um, you know, we've talked a little bit here, and you guys have probably heard me say that. Just when when I lost Corey, just things didn't look the same. It didn't feel the same. And um, as uh, as we've gone and I've done a lot of learning and I've done a lot of work on me personally, trying to come to terms, I think, and um, starting this podcast, big part of it, it sort of started creating this real like identity crisis for me. Like, who am I? Because... I was struggling to go back into the crafting and to really pour my focus in there and to and to allow it to feed me and and be who I used to be. That was what happened is I wanted just to just there's a big part of me just wants to go back to being that girl. Um but as we've talked about before, she's gone. That that person is gone and that's been really hard for me. Um, because as I slowly have been coming out of this really very much of a survival mode, which is, you know, do or die type, type like get it done, do what I have to absolutely do. Um, so I was in this survival mode for a long time, which you don't, I don't think you think about it. You just do the very best you can. There's a lot of struggles. It's not easy. It's clunky and things don't go smoothly, but you're just kind of, you're just kind of doing your best. Well, when you start coming out of survival mode, you're not thrashing around as much as you were. You know, things aren't quite as difficult, emotional, exhausting, those types of things. You start coming out of survival mode and and you realize that there's all these expectations on you. We're kind of going just like back into here's your responsibility. Here's your expectations. This is what we need you to do. And you look around and nothing looks the same. And you look in the mirror and you don't look the same. You're not the same person. I was having this really hard time identifying like as Heidi the crafter anymore. Even though there's a lot of things that I think are still very much who I am and who I was. But I was different 
And I'm going to say I, I, was, I was more. There's more to me than just being a crafter. All of a sudden, I had this really deep passion of, of helping parents connect with their kids. That, and it was like this new job that got added to your life resume. It's like now there's a whole new experience there. It's like now she's not just this one person. Now she's got experience in this whole other field over here. Right, which I felt like, oh, and by the way, I'm not qualified for it all. So there's that. Yeah, well, yeah. you weren't qualified for a lot of things you've done. And, Being a mother, actually, like none of us are. Not yeah. a diss on you. Just And that's actually yeah. that's actually true. Um, so I think that as this year has gone on with this podcast and I've gotten to the point where I can talk openly and I have learned a lot from our conversations, from my conversations with other people, I feel there's, there's a real change in me and I feel like very motivated um, to share this and to help to amplify your message and your and the things that you teach parents and and all that. And so then I was feeling this like conflict, like who are you anyway? Are you a crafter or are you going to talk about mental health? You know what? And who do you think you are on any of it, basically? And and um, so I had so the last couple months in specific has been this: how do I do I choose? Do I choose like, okay, I'm going to be a crafter and I'm going to stop doing the podcast. I'm not going to speak. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to shut myself off to that. Or am I going to throw in the towel on being a crafter and I'm not going to design product and I'm not going to do my tutorials or anything like that because I just was like, how do I combine these things, right? And interestingly enough, um, I've had some opportunity to chat with executives of Joanne Crafts, which if you're not familiar, Joanne is um, a nationwide craft chain. And um, I think they have in the neighborhood of 900 stores. So, so significant craft chain. And we were having a very real conversation about just the struggle of mental health, depression, anxiety, that everybody's facing. They were seeing it inside their, inside their company with their children. Um, and the conversation of Wolfpack, which is, um, Wolfpack is a collection that I, that's just started shipping this month in April that very much was inspired by Corey. And I was sharing this information, sharing this journey. And they kind of said to me, how can we take your message and help get it out there. And I was like, no clue. I have no idea. How. You know, like I, I just, I didn't know. And um, so I started working, we started talking about it more. And they kind of said to us, you know, we would really like to sort of, we'd really like to amplify your message. We'd like people to know about like the fight. We want people to know about why you designed Wolfpack. We want people to hear your message. How can we help you? And I was like, I mean, let's not start playing the podcast over the <laughs> over the loudspeaker, you know. And um, so we we got this call one day, and they said, you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we want to partner with you and use May as a way to connect with our audience and connect you to our audience and get the word out. And I, I was like, like this May. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, was like, I, was I like, just know Heidi. She's I like, was well, like, so next May, right? Like do? give me a year. Right. I, <laughs> right. I was like, wait, no, I can't. Yeah. Um, and these guys usually operate probably a year in advance. Yeah. yeah. Usually right? they're planning for next year right now. And this was like, not that long ago. And and they're like, no, let's let's do this. And in the meeting, like I had no idea what, what I was gonna say. And in the meeting, I just start boom, 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 rattling off all these ideas, like we do this, we do this. And they're like, yes, let's do it. And I was like, You mean like all that? <laughs> you wanna yeah, which one? You wanna do all that? And so I just have to tell you, because today 
kind of came like the mandate. Um, everything that I proposed, they want to do. They need the content by Friday. Incidentally, that's in four days. And um, I just sat there and thought, this is happening. This, this nationwide chain is seeing a problem in our society. Seeing they have influence, seeing they have a, a they have a, a soapbox to stand on. And recognizing that crafting, doing things with your hands, being creative, connecting with other cre- creatives, making things for your home, doing projects with your kids, like all the things that happen that are facilitated by the products that they carry in their store is solution-based for creating connection and for being the opposite of anxiety and being the opposite of depression, providing people with this, hey, when you do this, you feel better. Dude, are you are you creating the DDIY, don't do it yourself, like <laughs> connect with other people in the process? Right, don't, don't isolate yourself in your closet. Do it with no, others. I mean, I, I, jokingly, but kind of serious, it's like connections, like don't do it all by yourself. Like, yeah, work right. with other people. Anyways, I'll shut up. Go ahead. <laughs> no. Finish what you're saying. I just thought of that when you said, I'm like, connection, I'm like, don't do it all alone. I mean, we talk about, so it was, as we, you know, everybody loves to talk about the problems. And we're talking about depression. We're talking about anxiety, stress. And then the opposite of all that we know is connection. And the opposite of just scrolling through your phone, the opposite of just watching TV is doing something with your hands. And, um, you know, we've talked about studies and different things that make handwriting and drawing and crocheting and all the painting, all these things totally flip the switch on some of those neurochemicals that are overwhelming us, you know, in real life. Anyway, here's the thing. It's happening. Like, I'm finding, I'm finding a way to, to, um. Bridge the two worlds. Yeah. And I didn't, I couldn't see it. Um. And that's not to say that's weird because I can't see anything ever <laughs> coming. <I'm laughs> Take it as it comes. I don't like, really literally, like... <laughs> I'm looking at her glasses right now on the table. Um, and so I just like, I feel like I want to give you, I feel like I want to say this today because Sunday, which is just in a couple of days, is, is Corey's 20th birthday. And, um, And it's it's hard to have these these milestones come and and it feels like a milestone birthday. I mean, it's it's his, it's his twentieth birthday. I think every birthday has been a, <laughs> a milestone birthday and probably will be. But he's no longer. A I teenager. mean, nobody cares about twenty two, yeah. but <laughs> um, it'd be his first birthday, and not as a teenager. It 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 just. I don't know, and I do that whole thing where I try to imagine what he would look like and what he would be doing and what I would be buying him for his birthday. And um, Anyway, it's taken me some time, and it's taken me um, work. But um, I'm really thankful to the folks at Joanne for having some vision that I didn't have and giving me the opportunity to really honor my story, my family's story, Corey's story, who I am by giving me this opportunity to celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month with solutions. Um. It is a 
big freaking deal. <laughs> and I'm, I don't know. Like I hadn't told, you know, I, I, uh, I almost can't, I can't, I kind of can't believe that it's happening. And so you, like the fight listeners are kind of going to, you're getting the, this little preview, but I want you to watch it happen. I wanted to give you guys this preview that in the next couple of weeks, you're going to see it happen. And I think that above all else, I want you to know how truly remarkable and miraculous and healing it, it is for me. And, and that it's a big freaking deal. So, um, send me the good vibes. <laughs> so you don't have to quit light the fight? <laughs> Not yet. No. Okay, good. No, we're going to keep, we're going to keep weaving in the tapestry of creativity. <laughs> well, thank, thank you share, for sharing that, not just with listeners, but I, I hadn't heard about it yet either. So it's really exciting to, to see, cause you know, if you guys haven't picked up on this, um, I know the loyal listeners of the podcast have, if this is your first episode, please go back and listen to some other, and then you'll know like the depth of this. But, um, yeah, I know sometimes like, yeah, how do I bring my two worlds together? But sometimes we are the bridge. And in this case, you are the bridge. Heidi. You're the only one that, that could have made this happen. And unfortunately it's been a bridge where there's been hurt and pain that built that bridge. Like, the, the bricks, the mortars, the steel, you know, everything that came together at that bridge was created by a lot of sadness, a lot of hurt and pain, and it doesn't have to be built for a painful purpose. It's it's to take two places and bring them together. Joanne's can add so much value to the message of mental health, and the men, the mental health message, let's face it, it's it, it's been kind of an uphill battle. It's called mental health, right? right? right. And, you know, I... Anytime there's an, uh, a company that's willing to put their name up against something like like a big thing like this, it's bra- it's brave. Oh, it's really brave because I mean, I hopefully I don't say it's too much to nauseum. Like whoever invented the name mental health, like I wish they'd go back in time and call it a different name. It'd be a lot easier, you know. But Joanne's, you know, they're taking a. It's, is it Joanne or Joanne's? I would say I would say Joanne's. Okay, thank you for correcting me. Sorry out there, Joanne. So it's not. Possessive or plural? It's just Joanne. Joanne. Okay, Joanne stores or Joanne. Okay, crafts. gotcha. Just want to make sure I'm saying. Oh, don't right. worry. I've I've been. I'm it, sure tons of people out there. <laughs> listen, David's Joanne's like he doesn't know what that he's talking about. I'm sorry, you're right. I don't know that I'm talking about. But here's what I do know. You're the bridge. So that this big win. Super excited. I can't wait to see what comes out of the creation, the products of it, and uh, this is cool. This yeah. is really cool. I mean, cool. I've got some serious work put in between now and Friday when. But four days, that's like longer than you normally have. That's long for me, right? I that's mean, long. It's, it's a lot can happen. Usually 24 days, hours, like I'm starting to get worried. <laughs> four days, like, oh, I got this. <laughs> anyway, so you guys, I, w- I want you to know that you as listeners, just the fact that like I know you guys are out there listening, um, that you're cheering for me, for us. Um, you're helping me do this and and believe it and and navigate it. So, gosh, thanks for listening and for your messages and encouragement and whatever. So it's awesome. I man, I'm I'm sitting here. I need to step up my game. I need to bring something to the table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, maybe I could go to like a, a local lawn pest control company and get get a contract with them or something i need to step my game up like you know, that's what good partners do they push each other I, I need to go out there and i might start with like a milk delivery company people still deliver milk winter farms if you're out there anyone from winter farms listening contact me we'll get we'll make a deal happen um no all jokes are huge thank you so much i like it really that that's that's great news and um and as always promised we like to deliver some not ideas not just talking about the problem Talk about some real stuff that you could do. So, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about some solutions. solutions, some information, some layers of some stuff. So um, Heidi wants to kick us off with uh, something that, you know, maybe we could talk about at, at, at the workshop, a little epiphany that you had. And this is really going to be uh, statements and questions 2.0. Right. This episode. So without fail, and this last workshop was no exception. And the questions that came in at our last Don't Freak Out 
Um, and I got to tell you, this is a little bit validating for me because um, the statement versus question thing is still super hard for for me to figure, you know. But there's several questions that came in that were like, "Can we have more? Can we have more examples of the statements?" Or when is it too early to start using the statements? Or can I use statements on my little kids and my big kids? And can you give me an example of statements? And so I think that even, so quick disclaimer, when we do the workshop on Friday, it's tons and tons of information. And then we have a special thing that we do on Saturday that's actually kind of like using some of the tools and we get people um, talking and interacting and connecting. And um, we, we do a thing that gets people kind of sharing their thoughts about the workshop and the information. And, with, and about their life too. Yeah. And without fail, and, and this one was no exception, people are like, I know, I understand so much more clearly why statements are so essential. And why questioning shuts people down. And even though we talk about questions and statements here quite a bit, and if you go back to the beginning of our podcast, it's literally like the very first couple of podcasts that we talk about questions Episode and like statements. Episode like three, I think, or something yeah. like that. It is a foundational concept, but it's also very non-intuitive very difficult to incorporate into your life and very essential to creating connection. So simple. It takes a while to wrap your head around it and how to use it. Yeah. And so if you haven't heard us talk about statements and questions, I want to first encourage you to go back and listen to that very first episode, which, which yeah, I, think I don't want to like, repeat it all right, right now. Because yeah. We talk about habits and we talk about some of the, um, perceptions that we unknowingly create inside our own heads from a very young age. And a history of how it all began. So you'll want to listen to that because this is kind of the 2.0 conversation that we're going to have. And it, and it's kind of being fueled because, you know, here, here we are. This is the fourth time we're doing the workshop and we got the presentation and I got it memorized and I'm feeling comfortable about it. Like this is the first workshop that I wasn't like considering flipping a UE the entire time I was driving there, right? Like I, first workshop, I didn't say, is Heidi coming, you guys? Like you guys, <laughs> do we have her on th- is anybody uh, Life360? Is anyone tracking her location? <laughs> Tell me she's in that parking lot is just waiting to come in. Yeah. So I really felt like I... I felt really comfortable with the content, what we were sharing. Um, and I, and anyway, I wasn't going to have to rely on you so heavily. I could share my, my bits and pieces. So we get to this certain slide and, um, in, and I, and I have it right here. And so I'm going to read it to you. And we're talking, this is in the very middle of our, presentation. And we're talking about modeling and we're talking about our role as a parent. And we have this one slide and this is what it says. Kids learn more from observation instead of interrogation. And what I realized is that I totally didn't understand that whole quote. What did you think it meant versus what it kind of really means? Well, so what I really thought it meant, so we're talking about modeling and talking about, hey, if you if you want your kids... Model the behavior to, you yeah, want them to have. Right. If you want them to play it cool and not freak out and spaz out, then you kind of got to go first with that. Right, and so it says kids learn more from observation. And I think that that's where I was, like, that's what my brain stopped at. Okay, I got to be an example. Not new knowledge. Everybody knows it. Got to be a better example. Got to be an example, right? That's pretty simple. Right, right. And then there's this little second piece of it that says, instead of interrogation. 
And obviously we all know that it, interrogation is what happens when the cops question. Where were you the night of April 8th? Right. And you're, 7.30 you know, p.m. And it was funny because a lot of the people in the workshop were like, oh, man, I got interrogated for this. And I got sat Everybody down. Everybody reflected and I on the their chair. childhood. <laughs> I remember the chair that I had to sit down when my, kid, when my mom started interrogating me about, you know, about this, that, and the other. But what, but what I didn't piece together is that in this, in this little saying is a secret for making statements. That had completely gone over my head for as many times as we talked about it. And so why don't you kind of, <laughs> why don't you talk about what finally got through my extraordinarily thick skull? Well, you say what it was and then I'll add all the detail to it because it was your thick skull. Oh, I mean, you said it, not me. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. So the we're talking about how hard it is to come up with questions because all of us are hardwired to ask questions, to start every conversation. I mean, how hard is it to come up with statements? To, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. It is so hard and an anti, it, and against everything that you've ever done your whole entire life since you were little and every way that you have been approached is to start a conversation with a question. And sometimes it is interrogatory. That's probably not a word, but you know. It is Sometimes now. it comes with like, what were you thinking? What were you doing? Like in a really harsh tone. And sometimes it's like, how was your day? Like a nice question, not even a mean question. But one of the things we talk about is whether it's a nice question or um, uh, coming off as a mean question, they're both asking questions, creating doubt, causing somebody to question themselves or question the situation or not knowing what you actually want. Well, here's the thing. It's not a hundred percent chance it's going to create that person to question themselves. But here's one thing you can guarantee: they've already been questioning themselves throughout the day in many different ways. And if you ask a question at a time when someone's already questioning themselves or wondering what you're thinking about them, you run a very high risk of disconnecting from that person. That person not wanting to open up, not wanting to talk to you because they're already struggling with their own difficult. Like, man, did I do this good enough? Am I good enough in this area? So that's the problem about intention with questions is it's not known what your intention is, why you're asking the question. To the person asking the question, it's very clear. You're worried about your kids, so are you okay? And your body language, your facial expressions to the person may look like, oh my gosh, am I in trouble? Not because you intended it to be that way, simply because they don't know what your intention is. You didn't speak your intention, you only spoke to your concern. Right. And so, so and go I on just, and tell but, about the... And before we go on any further, I think that that's a really important thing. And, and this is, I think, a way that you can connect with a child with empathy. To say that a child has spent their whole day questioning themselves and having doubt kind of go around and around in their mind, I think as a parent, we do the same thing too. And, and and even though the doubt is different, it feels the same. And so maybe your kid is like, I wonder if they like me. I wonder if these pants look cute on me. I wonder if my hair looks good. I wonder if my breath smells or, you know, whatever you've got. Well, the parent, same thing. I wonder how my kid's really doing. I wonder if we're going to have enough money for this. I wonder what they're grades are. I wonder if I'm going to be able to get all this done. You know, we, we all have doubt that just goes on and on. And so one suggestion that I want to make here is this is a, this is a empathetic place of connection is that yes, you don't know, you don't know exactly what's going on in your kid's world or, or in their situation, but you can know how much it sucks to be questioning everything about yourself. So the big breakthrough, part of the big breakthrough that Heidi had was that she didn't realize that making statements are also just sharing your observation of what you're seeing your kid is going through. So I'm going to give you two different scenarios and I want you to tell me which one sounds like compassion and empathy. First one, what's wrong? Second one, 
looks like you've been having a tough day. It kills me to see you struggling or having a hard day. I'd love to hear about it if if you feel like you could share it with me. If anybody can't figure out which one of those is the compassionate one. The first one, I talk to plenty of people that use the first one. They say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, and frankly, I bet you that I ask my kids what's wrong 20 times a day. That's the problem. The problem is interrogation is always in the form of a question. And and that So they can't on. distinguish between the two sometimes. When you're in a highly emotional state or you're in a difficult time, your brain has some amazing indicators looking for threats and danger. And if you use questions, well, anyone's going to use questions to interrogate someone because that's just what comes with interrogation. But by using questions to interrogate someone, when you try to use questions later to show empathy and compassion, it doesn't translate the way we'd like it to. Again, people don't know our intentions when we're asking questions. Only we know them. So this is a big source of contention and fights between intimate partners, between family members, between parents and kids, definitely, is that questions to start off the conversation can seem confrontational even when there's no intention for it to be confrontational right. at all. And unfortunately, because we're all hardwired to ask questions and it comes so natural, we ask so many more questions than making observational statements. Because if you just state where your kid is at, then they can acknowledge that you are connecting with them because at least you recognize where they're at. Now, there are some statements a little... There's always the exception to the rule. There are some statements that I call questioning statements. A great example of that is, well, I guess no matter what I do for you, it'll never be enough. That's a statement. Yeah. However. I hope you've learned your lesson. Yeah, I've heard you, hoped you learned your lesson or you know I love you. And you're like, okay, so I guess you don't have to prove it to me then because you just, I just know. <laughs> like, There's a lot of these weird type of statements that I call questioning statements because it's really, it's a statement, but it's questioning the person's you know, objectives and their motives, why they're doing something. So most of the time, nine times out of 10, questions are associated with interrogation. Statements are associated with observation. Try to make an observation in a question form. That's really hard. So, but here's where the breakthrough was for me. This is the hack. If you can, because we're making the observation naturally in our head. When, when we're not we, stating it, but we're making it. We're not it. stating it out loud because we're like, our brain is just like assessing the perimeter, like, you know, oh, where's all they the danger coming happy, from? You know, I don't know if I can afford to make them happy. <laughs> you, you know, like, so you walk into the situation as a parent and you're kind of like seeing all these things, feeling all these things. And so then you say, what's wrong? Now, one of the things that we've talked about, and we've talked about it in several different episodes, is that instead of voicing concern, we need to create a connection. And that's really just a different way of saying use statements versus questions, or that's the solution. It's a very specific intent, because when you see someone that you're really worried about, you have a concern. But if you lead the conversation, starting out with your concern, you create a defensive reaction in the person. If you first make a statement and acknowledge some sort of connection, great example is you're worried about someone. So instead of telling them, what's wrong? Are you okay? Like, I, 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 I heard something happen. What's going on? Instead, you look at them and say, listen, I don't know what's wrong because you really don't know the details because they haven't told you. Just because you heard it from someone else, I don't know that's exactly hearsay. what's going on here. And everybody, and this is sarcasm coming, so listen up. Everybody really loves it when you try to tell them how they feel and think. <laughs> Especially your teenagers. Yeah. You don't know how I feel and think. And they're like, what do you mean I don't know? You're my child. I gave birth to you. I was a teenager once too. Yeah, we all know how that conversation ends, right? Not very well called an argument, okay? But when you make a statement up front to just acknowledge, connect with them about who they really are, who they've been in the past when they weren't in that bad place, it softens any sort of fear that you're going to now add to their problem. And it could be simple, something simple like this. Instead of saying, 
hey, what's wrong? I, I heard from some other people you're struggling with something. You come in real slow and sly. You say, you know what? I don't know exactly what's wrong. I just feel that something's going on with you. Maybe it's not nothing huge or bad for me to worry about. And by the way, you could have already heard a lot of detailed information. I just want to let you know that I was vibing off you. Or I was picking up that something might be going on. So, man, if there was, I just want you to know that I hope you could trust in me because I'm here for you. I want to be here to listen. But, you know, if you don't want to talk to me or nothing's going on, that's that's okay too. I just know that we have such a great relationship. You've been there for me so many times. You've been a lifesaver to me and you've helped me through some of those difficult times in my life. I'd know I'd love nothing more than pay you back that same thing that you've done for me. Man, you just gave them a compliment. You just told them how much they mean to you. You just said, I don't know where you're at, but I would love to help you if you are in a bad place. You're setting all these opportunities for them to share and they don't have to question why you're even talking to them. If someone hears you say, are you okay? Because I heard some stuff's going on and they may say, what'd you hear? They may be so concerned about what the word on the street about. They're thinking, I have to defend myself. What are the rumors? People, when they're distressed, they're fearful of how they're going to look and what people are saying. Now you can't even get to a solution. Or it's a whole lot harder to talk about what's really going on when they're trying to figure out what other people think is going on. Well, and there's nothing worse than someone who's like, hey, you and I, we need to talk. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, like, yeah, that's a questioning statement. Totally freaking Because now out. you're like, questioning well, why they, they just about? said that. Why are you, you know, exactly. what is coming? And so... That's one of those rare questioning statements, but man, when they come, it, it does the same thing as someone just asking a flat out question. Immediately you just think, I'm in trouble. Well, yeah, because that's how interrogations start sometimes. Yeah, so... You anyway, need to come in this room with me. That, that <laughs> was talk. such... Like, that was such a, like a life hack for me. I, I feel like I keep... Getting in these situations where I'm like, make a statement, Heidi, make a statement, make a statement. And then I just go, what's wrong? <laughs> you know, but sometimes the best statement is stating the freaking obvious. I don't know what to say right now. I don't want to screw it up. I don't make it, I don't want to make it worse because yes. I've done that in the past. At least you're going to get your kid to agree with you. Yeah, mom, you have screwed up in the past, but that's not a, that's not a fight. That's an agreement. They're agreeing or being agreeable with you. That you've made mistakes in the past, but guess what? At that moment, if you acknowledge you've made mistakes and you don't know what to say, you don't want to say the wrong thing, then that actually is a way to acknowledge that you may not be the best person or it may not be the right moment to talk. Then you can make a statement afterwards. However, I would like to be a person you can trust and open up to, but if you don't feel like you can tell me what's going on, please reach out to someone. Talk to your aunt, talk to your brother, anyone that you trust. Maybe you could talk to someone else about it. Sometimes we feel like we have to be the end-all, be-all for our kids and our loved ones to come to to get their problems solved. And sometimes we are not the best person for them to have a practice run at talking about what they're struggling with. Sometimes they need to go and tell Uncle Joey or Aunt Susan first to kind of practice it with them. Sometimes they need to talk to a friend, a sibling, the other partner in the relationship, the, uh, you know, the spouse. These are things that we got to give our kids the opportunities to practice because, man, it feels so much better if they come to us and they invite us to their worries and their concerns versus us barging through the door. Okay, so now let me throw out another aspect of this. And this actually, this epiphany didn't come to me until after the workshop. And it's kind of funny because, um, so in my family, we all know that I'm not supposed to ask questions. So, you know, even. We well, have such a unique situation. <laughs> right. you're, you're, I mean, everybody knows, like, they've been to my. The you're underneath the magnifying men. glass. They know all the tricks now. You're like, dang it. Yeah. So they know that I'm not supposed to be asking questions. Right. And so even like if Quincy, if I'd be like, what's wrong? She's like, statements, Heidi. <laughs> you know, but she's actually being serious though no she is she knows serious. she's like you need to say okay Quincy um, what I meant to say was if there's something going on and you feel like Sharon I'd love to hear it yeah and so she just and she, she thanks you for it when she, you do well, say the statements she really appreciates not being interrogated so okay so this is what happened 
And, you know, again, such a slow learner. By the way, you guys, every time Heidi tells a story about her kids and her fails, they're true. <laughs> These aren't make-believe stories. Okay, so this actually is was an interaction. It's a win? This is a, no, this is an interaction between. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I guess it is. It's it ultimately this is me winning because I finally like had. Yes, it. I understood. All right, I'm listening. I'll shut up. Okay. This is Saturday afternoon, so we've you know I've just had the whole entire day at the workshop, and Saturday morning, and now I've got like a bunch of stuff going on. And Eric's kind of been holding down the fort, doing all the things at home while while I've been gone for basically these two days. And then like the emotional exhaustion that I sometimes always feel. So I come home and we need to find Connor. And he's out. We know he's biking around with his friends. And so I'm trying to be nice. And Eric's kind of sitting sitting there. We we know we've got to go somewhere. We're trying to leave. And, um, and I said to him, do you want to go find Connor? Do you want to go locate Connor? And he's in the middle of whatever he's doing. And he looks at me and he goes, not really. And I look at him and I'm like, statement, 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 statement. And he, and he kind of laughs and, and I go, It'd be really helpful if you would go and locate Connor. Or I'd really appreciate it. Or I know you said it really mean a lot to me. Uh, you said something like that earlier something. when you told me. I, I mean, about, yeah. I did. I like something along those lines. I would really appreciate it, or or something. It'd really mean a lot if you help me out with that. And um, and he kind of chuckled. We both kind of chuckled because we both kind of like. I knew the point that he was trying to make. And I had the most clear realization that you guys, I do this all the time. I'll ask Connor, do you want to go grab your homework? No, he doesn't want to go grab his homework. You jump straight to the concern. You jump over the connection straight oh, to the concern. You know, Capri, Capri, you know, do you want to go ahead and clean up your room right now? No, she doesn't want to clean up her room. Obviously. You know, whatever. It's like you want to run a marathon right now, mom? (laughs) Right. And so I do this all the time. And you know what? Here's the thing is I do it in this very, very passive way. Like, would it be okay if you would just take out the garbage right now? You know, like, do you want to do that for me? Like trying not to be like confrontational hard, like get this garbage chicken out of here like that. Like this is me trying to be nice. Okay. But what I realized, and it kind of goes back to the Trying concept. to put glitter on a frowny face, right? I, I am. A <laughs> lipstick on a pig, as yeah, Eric exactly, would say. Yeah. That when I actually just say, it would really help me out if you could take the garbage out. And then you know what? There is nobody in my family that would look at me and say, heck no, mom. They really, they really are willing to help me. Because you're using the power of your relationship and the connection to summons them to help you versus I am the boss, I am the manager, I'm in charge, and you are my employee. Or, you know, even like, do you want to go do that? Because nobody wants to get up from whatever they're doing and do anything. And that's yeah, I want where to get up from my warm blanket. Right. Nobody <laughs> wants to. And so. In the middle of my Netflix episode. Moms and dads and kids who might be listening. Stop asking people if they want to take out the garbage. They don't. Stop asking them if they want to go to bed. They don't. Stop asking them if they will do anything for you. They don't want to. Instead, give them the prepaid gratitude, which is, I would really appreciate it if, if you would take the garbage out. Or, I am so stressed out right now. It would help me out so much if you would just grab the garbage and a little pause real quick for all you parents who have said, I've tried that, and they still give me attitude, and they still roll their eyes. Well, guess what? That's okay. Because they're doing it. Just because your kids, your partners, your spouses roll their eyes, and they don't seem excited like spoonful of shit, like they're not <laughs> singing while they go do it, doesn't mean that it wasn't a win. It's still a 
better approach. And it's a partnership approach versus telling someone, do you want to do that? You know, you know those questions, right. it just... And here I am in this situation where my family knows all about the podcast. They know what I talk about. They listen to me talk. They process with me. And I really do think that out of love, Quincy's like, statements, mom, remember? And even Well, they agree with what you're saying on the podcast. That's why they're like, right. I do like they it when she tells trying, me. Like, I'm trying to make this change. And, and so even when Eric just like, this very subtle, like, of course he's going to go find Connor for me. He's never going to not do something that I asked him to do, right? And so it was just He was this, giving you a chance for reps. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> and it was so funny because when he did that, it clicked for me. And um, I don't know. So those two clarifying moments, number one is the hack of verbalizing your observation that you're making already inside your head. Uh-oh, I can tell somebody doesn't, I can tell he's not happy. I wonder what happened, you know, da 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 I can tell you don't seem happy. And it's not like, I guess those towels are just going to pick themselves up off the ground. <laughs> right. Like, that's sarcasm. That's questioning statements. Questioning if, you know, if the person even heard you. And you know what? It's hard to swallow your pride. Because when I, you guys all know this, when I see the wet towel on the floor, like my blood boils. And so it's really hard for me to be like, you guys, it would help me out so much if you would pick up your towels so that we can throw them in the wash. Because my blood is boiling at that moment. Well, it also seems disingenuous because your blood's boiling. You're, why should I tell them that I, it would really mean a lot to me? Because really, I want to tell them it pisses me off. Well, both can be true. You can be pissed and realize saying that you're pissed doesn't make the employees want to work with you as partners. Doesn't make the kids feel like they're being a part of a solution. Makes them feel like they're part of your problem. Man, it's it's so true. And so then the second part of of the epiphany is that it's okay to make statements even when you're trying to get them to do something or asking them to do something. Use a statement to ask them to do something that sounds like it would really help me out. I'm running late. Would you, you know, can you do this for me? Please do this. And, um, you know, like I said, so much of this is, is in our facial expression, in the tone of our voice. And when our blood is boiling, it is really hard to hide it. The reason why I always tell families throughout all these years this simple statement, and the statement is always err on the side of the relationship. And the reason why I tell them that is because at the end of the day, we will do things for our relationships in our lives that sometimes we wouldn't even do for ourselves. Amen. It's true. We want to pay it forward or pay it back. And there's this universal law that doesn't say, in good relationships, it's not like, well, I owe you one, so I'll pay you back. You just know you owe them, and you're looking for the opportunity to do them a solid. Well, and the people that we love, we genuinely want to make their life better. That's what but, love is. We want to help right. them. We want to take away some of their burden. And teenagers, they find it really interesting. They think they're at war with their parents. and Their parents are being so horrible and mean to them. The relationship gets better. And then all of a sudden, they'll come and tell me these crazy stories. Out of the blue, my mom just bought me this jacket that I wanted. Out of the blue, my mom bought me this video game that she said she hated. And they're realizing that the parent wasn't not buying them the jacket or not buying the video game simply because they hated the video game or they hated the jacket. They just hated feeling like it was all about the video game and the jacket. The parent just wanted the relationship first. If you give someone the relationship, the loyalty that you're going to support them through difficult times, they're going to pay it back to you. They're, they want to. Everybody does. Someone loans me money because I left my wallet and they had to pay for lunch for me. I'm like, no, I... I want to take them to lunch. I want to pay it back because it's just something that feels right to do because human beings want to help human beings to help them. And when we get you know, upset and frustrated because we feel like we've helped someone and they're not helping us back, then that means somewhere there's been some errors in the relationship and it wasn't the relationship being put forward. At least someone didn't feel like the relationship was as equally important to them. 
And at that point, there has to be like, okay, let's go back to the beginning and let's yeah, and get on. Uh, let's get on a baseline. Exactly. I have treated you crappy all this time, and I'm sorry, and I want to do better. Yeah. If you want someone to treat you better, you know, and they feel like you've treated them bad, don't sit there and acknowledge all the things they've done wrong, and then ask them, you know, don't you see where I'm coming from? Instead, say, listen. I know, and we've all done this. Some sometimes and by the way, we do it well. Is, here comes another statement. Yeah, we've all done this. Sometimes we don't do it well. Sometimes we don't follow through with this. It's like I know I've done you wrong, in specific areas. State that thing, like you know, by losing my temper with you, freaking out with you. I know that it's probably hard for you to imagine coming and talking to me when you're struggling because I haven't been a person you feel comfortable talking to. Because you know I'm gonna freak out. Because I freaked out, <laughs> and then you can say. However, I really recognize that I, that that's a mistake. I need to get better at it. The only way I can say I can get better at it is I need another opportunity or more chances to practice it. So if you would give me some more chances, if you try to bring some things, some small things to me, test me out a little bit, it's going to give me the chance to get better. If I falter, if I start freaking out again, I'm giving you permission to let me know that I I'm going back to my old ways because I'm. if I give you permission to tell me, then you're not criticizing me as a parent. You're actually giving me a notification that I'm losing you, that I'm slipping away and going back to my old ways. You don't have to apologize and say, I'm going to be better. I mean, I'm, no, I'm not perfect. You know, I, and I'm, I'm sure I'll go back to my old ways at times. Nobody wants to hear that. Just say, if I do go back to my old ways, if I do start to freak on you, I give you permission to remind me or to give me a heads up that I'm doing that again. That's what partnerships do. Partnerships are trying to help each other not go back to their old ways. Partners are like, hey, there's a blind spot there. You told me to remind you. Oh, yeah, thank you. I Giving someone to. permission to actually tell you what you're doing wrong, it takes away all the shame or at least enough of the shame and ego out of it so that we can actually see this is a partner. And that's what Eric did with you. That's what your, that's what your daughter's been doing with you. And, and it's helping me. Because it is something that I want to that I want to get better at, and it is not easy for me. And so it gives me some validation when every one of the parents at the workshop raises their hand and says, "This is so hard." And what mom wants to say, or dad, or anyone for out there matters that's raising kids wants to be. I want to be the person who dedicates my life, works hard for my family and my kids, and them not want to be around me, open up and talk to me. Yeah, nobody that's a fail if that happens. So if it seems petty and you're like, ah, oh, you know, we're babying our kids and, you know, my parents never did that to me. Yes and yes. You're absolutely right. And go ahead and try it the old school way with the new school kids. Tell me how that works out for you. I'm not saying baby the kids. I'm saying do for our kids what we would have loved if our parents did for us. Go first, err on the side of the relationship. And, you know, Validate our points. You still have to ground your kids. You still have to be a parent, but you just don't have to do it in an interrogation, shameful sort of way. And once that relationship's established, so much more can happen. So much more can happen. So you got options then. You know, one of the questions that was asked was is it, when is it too soon or when should I start doing the statements? With my kids. As soon as your kids can start understanding sentences and language. And let's, okay, I, I made this distinction in the podcast. We make lots of different statements. Some are with our mouths and verbal. Some with our body language. Some are with our patience. Some are with um, our actions. When we help someone, that's making a statement. When someone is scared that we're going to be upset I hear this all the time. My parents are going to kill me. I can't tell them that. Then I get a teenager to tell their parents something that in the past their parent probably would have flipped out and freaked out on. But as the parents get these concepts, I go, try your parent now. They'll tell their parents something. The parent will make a statement with their face. And the statement usually will look something like this. Thank you. When I said looks like this and we're on a podcast, you can't see me. Imagine what your face looks like if you're saying thank you. You know what that looks like. It looks like someone is connecting with you. They get it. So if you as a parent say thank you for telling me something that would freak me out, you can still be freaked out and you can be thankful that they're giving you a chance to be in the know. 
If they're coming to you and telling you what's wrong with them and what's going on, there's plenty of time to deal with problems and solutions. But if you skip over how big of a deal it is that they're trusting you, then you missed out on an opportunity. But if you say thank you for trusting me, you're modeling for them that you're trustworthy. Now, when you go to them and say, I'm going to tell you something that I'm worried you may freak out on. What's that? Can't go out with your friends this weekend. You know how scared parents are of pissing their kids off? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, you got kids, right? (laughs) Point is, this is mutual trust. They can't handle the truth is what teenagers are saying. Parents saying they can't handle the truth. Well, we got to practice saying the truth in a non-interrogating, non-you're-disappointing-me-as-a-parent-you're-disappointing-me-as-a-teenager-way because we all want the same thing. We all want to be reminded of what we're capable of doing. We all want people to work with us and give us the benefit of the doubt. But we also need to own our choices and have some accountability. So parents need to get better at this. Teenagers get better at this. Who's going to go first? This is a parenting podcast. Why not you? You go first. And I'm glad that you brought up the actions can be statements. Do you remember like a couple workshops ago, there was a mom who was talking about how she was thinking, you know, what, how can I connect with my kid? And she, she was thinking back to how when her kids were younger, they really liked playing puzzles. They liked to put together puzzles and, and that they just hadn't done that for a long time. So she kind of thought to herself, I really want to connect with him. I really don't want him to go just straight to his room. And so she got, she got smart and she like started working on a puzzle all by herself. And just put it out there on the table and started doing it. It was just out there and she was working on it. She didn't say, you come and do puzzles with me or. I guess I'm just going to do it all by myself. Right. She didn't, she didn't do anything like that. She just sat there doing the puzzle. And next thing she knew, little by little, her boys, her teenage boys, started coming back, coming in and wanting to participate in the puzzle. And sure enough, like what happens when you're doing a puzzle, there was conversation. You know, and so you pointed out, in fact, that just having that puzzle open and on the counter, and she's doing it, not on her phone or with her headphones in or watching a movie. I don't know if there's a movie on. Sorry. Um, that that was a statement of, I'm here, and I would and I would love to interact with you. You know it would be easier for her to do? The easiest thing is for her to do the puzzle, ask the kids if they'll do it, they ignore her, and then first say, how come we can't just do puzzles like we did when you were younger? And then it'd be easy for her to feel like she's a failure as a mom, feel like her family's not connected, and to go down all these different rabbit holes of other fears of the future that this could be manifesting. But the statement that she made was, I'm okay with whatever you guys got going in your life, but I'm going to be here in case you want to do some things with me. It's so much more attractive when someone doesn't need you, but... They like to have you around. Because you have to be available. Yeah. Like, it's just, you got to be available. And that's why, you know, one of my sayings that came up a long time ago is, you got to be vulnerable to even be available to have a connection with another human being. And then they'd have to look at your vulnerability and they go, wow, that's interesting. And then they be, can be vulnerable back to you. But if you're not vulnerable, you're not available. And for her, how vulnerable is that to sit there and make a puzzle on the dinner table with right. no guarantee that they're going to jump in right. because that's like, it's going to crush she me if they don't know. jump in. And you know what else is vulnerable? Not saying that it bothers you that they're not jumping in and helping you and just sitting there and doing it. No guarantee that they're going to connect with you, but it increases the probability that they want to be around someone who's not desperate Debbie or <laughs> desperate Danny or, you know, these are all just names. Hopefully your name isn't Debbie or Danny listening to this. Point is, <laughs> That's just more attractive to someone that wants you there but doesn't need you to be there to make them feel better. Right. Well, I I hope that this has been as clarifying for you guys listening as it was for me. And hope is amazing strategy, so you don't need to try this application. Oh, you don't need I to go for it. I haven't I brought it up it in again. how many episodes now. I know. No, I all, all I want to say is that 
Just try it. Just do it. Yeah. He- Heidi's a great example of it. And once your kids, your kids used to hate that you asked questions. Now they're helping you make statements. That's a win. And I'm I'm doing better thanks Heck to yeah. their reminders. Heck yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we all need good teammates. That's that's right. And that's what I'm that's what I'm getting. We're building it. We're building it. Um. So I think that we we got to wrap it up. One more um light the fight episode in the, in the books. As we as we finish here, let's. I just want to give a big shout out to our community sponsor, um, one eight hundred contacts. We're thankful for them and and amazed. the cool jackets they gave us <laughs> totally and just amazed at what a great job in fact i gotta tell you this is funny um so to offset the emotional turmoil that i feel when we do a parenting workshop <laughs> i started to to teach creative workshops again and um it was interesting because one of the people who came to just my creative workshop um was somebody that works at 1-800 and met us through um, the event that we did and, and through that The Don't Freak Out event. Yeah, yeah, and she came and she was just like talking about that her husband, you know, she's got little kids and her husband said, you know, I really think you should go do that. I think you, I think that would be great for you. And just really like they, they both are listening to the podcast, understanding the self-care, understanding that she needs that time to go and connect. And, and I just, I just think that it, I mean, it was cool because that was a partnership that kind of came right out of that 1-800 partnership. And we felt this connection. And because we were having that conversation, there were other people in the room that didn't know about the podcast and it kind of just opened up this podcast. And she was just there like, well, yeah, I work at 1-800 and they really, they're advocates for our mental health as as trying to make our workplace better and she just she really sold the podcast and she really sold 1-800 as an employer she'd been there for 17 years because they just take care of their employees um anyway i i'm just proud to be associated with 1-800 for sure um anyway so that was that was our last our last little <laughs> shout out to 1-800 as well as um, we are spreading the new the the word about the podcast through you, um, so we appreciate it when you tell your friends and your family about us and let them know what you like about it. Let them know specifically, and and if you don't like it, please don't share it because <laughs> then you're going to talk bad about it, and that would that would suck for us. And you know, here's one thing: just keep that- it to yourself if you don't like it. <laughs> Here's one thing that I've that I've noticed when I share podcasts with people. Sometimes it's super overwhelming to be like, "Oh, go listen to this entire podcast as a hundred episodes." That's like, uh. But I like to say, you know what? There's this one episode that I really got a lot out of. You know, it it's might the be bait the, episode, the and just, or you just know, whatever catches them. Just know that that you're really helping people out when you pass this information on um and you're helping us out and it's all good right so thank you as always you guys for listening thank you for coming thank you for showing up thank you for acknowledging that you got to go first and recognizing that it's not easy and that it's not intuitive but it makes a difference and it works so we appreciate you and appreciate you for sticking with us and listening to us and Thank you always for helping us to light the fight.